Howdy folks, I'm Tom Barbelay, and today I'm going to present a walkthrough of the Noble Ape source code. This in part is through the instigation of Gerald de Jung at the Darwin at Home project, however I also wanted to provide this audio source code walkthrough in some form, and this just seems to be the easiest method. Some background with regards to the directory structures associated with Noble Ape, because that's probably the first place to start. The Noble Ape directory structures come from about 2001. Bear in mind that the Noble Ape source code, and some of the source code that we're going to look at today in fact, uh, dates back to about 1996. In fact, some of it even slightly prior to 1996. But in terms of the actual directory structures and the organisation of source code, that occurred in 2001 at the Stockholm Rewrite, where I had the view that various directories were needed in only certain compilations of the Noble Ape simulation. And I guess around 2003-2004, I started developing other things, Noble Warfare and Planet Noble Ape, although Planet Noble Ape comes from about 2001 as well. And these things needed various components of the Noble Ape source code, but not everything. So this is where the directory structures come from. Another important note is that Noble Ape simulation as it's presented currently, and I should point out this is with regards to the 690 version of the Noble Ape simulation source, that's what I'm going to be walking through today. That is, um, well, I mean, to date it has been developed primarily with um, directory project file uh, related compilation. So... On Mac, Xcode, previously Code Warrior, prior to that, Think C. Uh, on Windows, Visual Studio, occasionally MinGW. Uh, but these are the two, you know, the Mac and Windows versions are the two that I maintain, and it's always been uh, with regards to kind of drag and drop directory compilation as opposed to uh, make files. So you won't find any make files associated with the Noble 8 simulation source. Large portion of that is because the project files, uh, both associated with Xcode and also Visual Studio on Windows, they're relatively large and they don't really add anything. So you do need a little bit of background knowledge before you actually compile a Noble 8 simulation in terms of which directories you're going to use. The one I have in front of me is uh, the Mac source code, and um, we'll get into a little bit about that towards the end in terms of what actual you know files you put in to make it a, a Mac version versus a Cocoa version versus a... Uh, carbon 64-bit. There are various flavors of the, the Mac version specifically, but what I'm going to be talking about today is a lot of stuff under the hood associated with the Noble directory, the core directory, and the GUI directory. They're the three directories that I'm primarily going to cover in this audio and give some background associated to, uh, to what they cover. Probably the best place to start is the Noble directory, and this historically was the source code that came from uh, Noble Warfare, Planet Noble Ape, and uh, the Noble Ape simulation with the view that these were, you know, the shared ideas, the mo most basic shared ideas. Uh, all these directories have header files that are named specifically after the directory that they contain, and that's kind of the shared interface between the directories uh, to other directories. So rather than looking at uh, noble.h, I thought I would start with io.c. And this file contains parts that date back to the original simulation. The file handling in the original simulation was very different. Um, the current file handling, and there's also some discussion which even occurs in this source, with regards to moving the current file handling into um, something which is more associated with the scripting language. I said that io.c was probably a good place to start, but I'm actually going to take a step back and look at the Noble Ape simulation manual, which is in the man directory because this explains some of the underlying stuff associated with that. So if we start by opening the index associated with the, uh, with the man directory, this is the Noble Ape Simulation Manual. You should see 690 in front of you. Rather than looking at getting started or anything like that, let's have a look at the file format. 
because this is a part of what io.c does. It actually cleans up the, uh, the file format for processing, takes out the variables and applies them to variables within the simulation. And you'll see when we get into the source code that there is actually a one-to-one correspondence with regards to both reading and writing. And this was something that I thought was important at the time. But if you look at the file format, it starts off to discussing comments. And there is what looks somewhat like, you know, C, C++ kind of structure, means of describing the, the objects and the variables uh, within the file format. Um, we'll get into more of that um, when we actually look at how it's parsed. Uh, but yeah, th three letters associated with what the variable or object is, an equal sign, and then in the case of variables, the variable in the case of objects, open curly brackets. So you go down and you see that there are, um, there are certain variables that take uh, multiple integers. And, uh, you know, that, that basically explains what it looks like. It gives some overview with regards to the specific 8 file format um, and the landscape, and that's about it. So let's actually have a look at the source code. So we go to uh, io.c. Um, I want to start by saying that all the source code is under the MIT license, and this is only a relatively contemporary thing. The MIT license uh, occurred directly after uh, my interview on Floss Weekly, primarily because the uh, OSI board contacted me and said that the previous license I'd been using, the Ravenbrook license, wasn't in fact an accepted um, you know, open source license. The Ravenbrook license had a condition where if you were using the source code for anything commercial, and commercial was defined within the license, that you had to get in contact and ask for permission. Um, in fact, I think you just had to get in contact. I don't even think you had to ask for permission. And even the point of getting in contact in the case of if you were using the source code for commercial software was problematic for the OSI board. So it's just under the MIT license. Going through the source, I'm going to give line numbers where I get to it. Uh, 36 just includes the noble.h. I'm not going to go through the header files because basically that's what I'm doing through the source code. And we start off with three very basic commands, io copy, io new, io free. I, mean, I come from a school of multi-platform development where everything has to be low level, um, you know, defined with a view that behaviors change, you know, you can't always be sure that a block move data or a mem copy or these kind of things are going to be similar. So you just need a, a vanilla interface basically to do this kind of stuff. It's really self-explanatory, but IO copy uh, copies, you know, from one pointer to another in the number of bytes. Uh, IO new creates a pointer uh, of the number of bytes. And IO free frees a pointer and also sets it to zero and related if def code associated with different kinds of operation. It's interesting because um, particularly on Xcode, a lot of the stuff like uh, free and uh, mallocking and all file handling you get for nothing. Previous versions, uh, particularly under Metroworks, it was very expensive to include any of the STDIO related stuff, which is why I always use the, uh, the lower level uh, Mac OS 9 stuff. Uh, obviously, Windows, these kind of things, doesn't really matter that much. Um, so anyway, that's that. In line 85, the file format setting related stuff, This because it's on Unix, Mac, and Windows, the carriage returns are different on each of them, and this basically sets up what kind of carriage returns are going to be used. It's actually only used in the non-Windows versions. The Windows versions automatically do the carriage return, which is why it's ifdef win32. IO join, line 98, is a Bresenham uh, line connector, which is just basically finding the uh, the nearest neighbors over uh, a line. And it's used for two things. It's used for actually drawing lines, and it's also used for line of sight, which is why it's um, genericized, if that's a word, in IO join 
um, at the IO level in the, in the Noble directory with the view that um, it can be used for both things. And it takes this draw um, primitive, uh, which contains both uh, the pixel draw and also the information that's being drawn to. And I think pixel draw, if I'm not mistaken, is a function. So yeah, local draw. And then it's expanded as a function. So line uh, 105, it's just taking the uh, most basic case. The pixel draw, if it returns uh, anything that's non-zero, it then means that for some reason it has either failed, um, in the case of line drawing, it's off screen, or, uh, for example, if you're doing... Um, what it's done with the line of sight is, for example, if it goes over a hill, or if there are things which you know, mean that it's obviously ended without actually reaching the end state. So if you imagine with regards to the line of sight, you've got two potential points over an undulating landscape. And if, if it's clearly cut one of those points where, you know, it wouldn't be possible to actually see on the other side or these kind of things, then obviously it ends early. But it's just a standard Bresenum uh, function. You can find this in text B-R-E-S-E-N-H-A-M, I think. Standard Bresenum walkthrough uh, checking this, this uh, pixel draw function at uh, various points. We then get onto IOHash uh, 161. IOHash is primarily connected with the brain hashing, and the background on the brain hashing is, I think, probably just prior to Intel picking up the SSE version of the brain simulation code. There was some, I had some concern that what they were developing with Altavec and what they were moving into the develop with SSE wasn't actually replicating what the underlying scalar version of the brain simulation was doing. So I needed a hash routine to go through the brain values just so we could kind of compare notes and make sure that even with the vector method that basically we we're getting the same results. So the IO hash and the IO hash string come from that, although it worked out to be, I mean, something that was going to be relatively low level. So I just put it in IO.C. The hash, I don't even know if it's based on anything. I think I just kind of rolled my own hash function, basically, which, is, you know, fits in with a lot of the simulation. Uh, and the hash string, all this does is it goes through a string and works out what the hash value of the string will be. I'm not even sure where that's used. I think there was some discussion associated with ApeScript when Pedro was looking at ApeScript that maybe we'd do a hash on all the variable strings just as a means of kind of storing the variable strings a lot easier, but that never happened. So that's probably a legacy function that's not used elsewhere. Similarly, uh, IO Newton root uh, at 189 on the line number. This is naturally used in Noble 8 simulation. This is used in Noble Warfare, but I included the code because you never know when you're actually going to need a, a square root. But it just does the Newtonian root method. Uh, it goes through 255 times, or 200, yeah, and the 256, so it's just like, yeah, we've done way too much with the view that Newtonian root should actually converge over um, 32 bits uh, worth of information. Turn Towards is something else that was developed in Noble Warfare, however, was used, uh, it's used in the Noble Ape simulation. You'll see the idea is that it needs to be able to do more than 180 degrees worth of turning. And the way in which I did this was actually divide it down into smaller turning chunks. But what it does is it takes um, large step turns, 16 step turns, so 256 uh, points in a, in a rotation. Uh, and it takes the first two 16, works out the difference. It's finding a comparison. You either turn one way, um, in this case, either minus 16 or plus 16 of where you're originally facing, and works out whichever is closest to the location that you've given. So there's a kind of localized comparison associated with direction facing. I think these things are vectors. So yeah, PX and PY are vectors. So you have a vector associated with 
the direction that you want to turn and then based on your facing coordinates and the amount that you're allowed to turn it returns what your best facing value will be and it's done through kind of iterative steps doing what do you call them vector projections basically against that so that's what that code does we move down to io random at uh, 246 io random uh was my hand rolled randomizing function that i did very early on takes a seat which part of it is imaginary part of it is real let's just call it that way it makes it a little bit easier to understand and then performs a combinatory operator on it i think it switches the values yeah it switches the values and then returns um uh, a corresponding random value which is only 16-bit the original overlay simulation was mainly done in 8-bit and 16-bit with the view that there were you know i couldn't multiply two uh, anything larger than two 8-bit numbers together and so 16-bits were kind of introduced it's amazing how old some of this code was this randomizing code comes from i think about 2002 2003 when i was reading a lot more kind of papers on randomization so whilst it fits with the old structure there's, there was a break at the point just after the stockholm rewrite while i started to introduce 32 bits i mean it's amazing to even say it out loud but introduce 32 bit uh, integer code and i think this kind of comes at that cusp because it's still written in the 16 bit methodology but really I only need 16 bits worth of random and uh, the overlap simulation currently, although all that may change. So we're now getting into the file parsing code, and this indicates that this is version 2 of the file parsing, and version 3 will soon be implemented this, through the scripting interface. I don't know when I wrote that. It could have been 2004, 2005. Oh, actually, no, it requires the scripting interface, so it's probably 2005, 2006 when I actually added that comment. I tried to remove as much of these macros as possible, obviously char into file, critical, but all this is return, is white space, is horizontal, you know, carriage returns. I tried to uh, simplify a lot of that with the view that both the file handling and 8script had this kind of file parsing related stuff. But anyway, oh, here's the packed variable, which isn't actually included in the source. The, the, there are really only one kind of variable that can be put in, and that's a, a positive 16-bit value associated with a specific variable or an array of those 16-bit uh, values. And there's also some fudging associated with various 8-bit values that still exist, like direction facing, for example. These are the, um, the, the macros and the things that are returned explicitly to give some use with regards to the file handling. So let's just get into IOread. This is the lowest level reading handling. I should probably talk a little bit about the files. There have been various iterations in terms of the lowest level file handling, and this in file is an interesting type through the simulation because it's used really is an expanding string variable in certain circumstances as well. It's a dynamic file, which means as you keep on, you know, passing more stuff into it, it'll allocate memory dynamically. We'll, we'll see this shortly. It's used both for the file handling, also the debug output, which is effectively connected with ApeScript, and also the ApeScript program variables I, I, I pack into a file with a view that it's dynamic. And, you know, there, there are some limitations, obviously, with regards to the amount of memory, but, it, you know, it's more dynamic than, uh, than any other kind of data type that exists within the simulation. And for this reason, it's a kind of multi-use thing. But I use the IO read, uh, and we'll get to the writing stuff further down. Uh, but it takes the location of the file, checks the file size. If it's the same as the read point, obviously reading is not dynamic. You have a fixed length in a, in a read file, and basically when you get to the end, it shows that there's an end of file. If it's not the end of the file, then it just does a read from the location, it increments the location that it's reading from, and it returns the value that it read. Relatively simple, a lot of uh, 
additional checks and, and whistles, as you'll see coming up. Both the ApeScript and the variable file have a similar kind of comment structure, and they're designed that the semicolon is basically the end of line. There's no associated kind of macro stuff where you have non, well, where you need to have fixed ends of lines and these kind of things. So there's always IO white space, which just basically removes all the white space. And this is utilized both in terms of the file handling, removes the white space, well, file handling, full stop, be it a, a variable file or ApeScript file. And uh, what it does is goes through, obviously it strips out, sorry, for line numbers, we are in uh, 301 in io.c. So the white space goes through, strips out the comments, as you can see there, goes through, finds the end of the comments, and then removes all other kinds of white space. And um, yeah, and because basically with white space you're just removing stuff, it's just repacking the file into a smaller file. So it um, it's same, absolutely same data structure, it's just basically removing the white space quite literally and copying the non-white space into the place where the white space had been previously and then just cuts the uh, cuts the size based on the, the endpoint. And now we get to uh, file write, which really is the lowest level addition in terms of, as I was saying, this whole dynamic file component where it continues to add. So here, IO file write in 334, line number 334, Takes a file, takes a byte, it just adds a single byte. Um, I can probably add more than a single byte, but, you know, it works relatively efficiently through what I do, and it has all the additional bells and whistles associated with the check. So it checks the size. If the size that it's moving into is larger than the size that's allocated, it needs to create a new, a new array. Probably I could use something like realloc or something like that if I was a bit smarter, and when I come back to the low-level memory management, if I do garbage handling, all this kind of stuff, I'll, I'll rewrite this, but for the time being, this, this works okay. If it's slightly larger, reallocates a new size, copies it over, I think it's double? No, four times. So basically increases in blocks of four, which means that obviously over time, there are less and less need to these uh, allocations, and, you know, it works okay. Copies it over, frees the previous data, puts the new data there, and in the case, and in the normal case, and the copied over case, then does what it needs to do with regards to adding it, and says everything's okay. Uh, you'll see the show error stuff, and there is actually error handling within the simulation. It's actually handled at the GUI control level, uh, mainly because it's, in one form, it's displayed uh, displayed on the screen in the in the brain window. I want to say in the debug, it also goes into um, the debug information, although I'll probably need to confirm that. Now we have slightly higher level functions that take, uh, in this case, strings and also have new handling. So io write is just a, a writer into a file uh, with a view that it puts in the carriage returns and all this kind of good stuff if it's needed. It does all the neat stuff associated with the C string and returns okay. Similarly, write number, exactly the same thing. There's some stuff associated with uh, fractions here, and this is only to give decimals. This is relatively new, and it was added for the XML phenotype because I wanted to have an underlying uh, resolution, a kind of floating point resolution to the to, you know traditional um, non-floating point noble ape simulation number. So I actually rewrote IO write number for the XML phenotype in order to get floating point numbers into the um, the output. Uh, but normally, if dnum is set to zero, the variable is entry, then there won't be any, obviously, the denominator, well, it should be dnum is one, but if dnum is set to zero, it's it's non, 
uh, floating point. If denom's set to 1, there will be floating point, but there'll just be no important floating point information. Relatively standard, um, you know, relatively standard kind of writing numbers out. Um, again, I wanted to say that the reason that all this stuff is uh, hand-coded is because STDIO and these kind of things used to add a lot of whack onto the Mac end, so I just hand-coded all this kind of stuff. Otherwise, I'd use standard string-related handling. So we now have... IO write num. So this is a simpler version of um, IO write number, although it uses IO write number. And this is just for um, where you need it with a, a new line. So you can't do. Um, that's if it has commas. Okay, so that's the end kind. In the case of the variable handling, if uh, there are commas or semicolons or these kind of things, that's what the E kind byte handles. So there are two functions here that work hand-in-hand. Uh, hand. Well, actually, IO data read and IO command are the two low-level functions that feed into IO read buffer. IO command finds which in a file it searches through and finds um, the commands, be they object or variable, and acknowledges them. And then IO read data reads out the data associated with the, if it's a, a, an array of bytes or an array of 16-bit numbers and, and removes them accordingly or, or handles them accordingly. And they feed into IO read buffer, which takes an existing file, uh, takes a group of data, a set of known commands, and then goes through and reads out what kind of information is there. You'll note here that the size of type, there are four different types of information. There are only two different types of information that are actually handled. A byte or two bytes, you know, uh, eight bits or 16 bits worth of numbers. However, within the, uh, as you see, com number of commands in line 591, that basically uh, indicates an array. So if you, it's normally one, if you have like two or three different variables, or in the case of the uh, brain state, there are six different variables, then that will equal six. But it all comes down through this commands constant array of characters that is set up here in control.c. In the case of writing versus reading, reading you've already allocated the memory, everything's very nice. In the case of writing, there are a wide variety of errors that can occur, and I just created a macro IO check error at uh, line 616. And that basically, as it goes through, just automatically does the error handling on the various components. IO write buffer obviously takes in a file, takes in a group of data, the commands, which again is this one-to-one -one idea associated with uh, reading and writing, both come from the same commands. And there's this fluff variable, which is typically the copyright notice or this kind of stuff. And then the number of commands. So uh, the command number more specifically. So initially this will be run and you'll set it to, I think, zero, which is the, um, just the copyright associated related stuff. You then set it to one and you get the signature, which contains, you know, this is an overlap simulation and here's the version number. Set it to two, I think, and then it gives you the simulation related variables and you set it to three progressively and it will write out the overlap specific variables. So it's a bit of a handle all for these four different types for the view that three of them are going to be handled by the command structure that's passed down. And the first one's just the fluff, which will be handled by the top. So that's what that does. As you go through its system, you know, writing out the commands, writing out the information that's in it, writing out whether, you know, the number of commands, these kind of things, and it just goes through and it finishes off. So io.c is probably in the mid-range in terms of the complexity associated with the simulation, but I wanted to record this audio first just to give an introduction. It's been quite a bit of audio. I think it'll probably set the pace with regards to the other components of the Noble Ape simulation. So thank you very much for tuning into this one. I'm going to uh, end the recording here.
start afresh with a with a new file, new source file. We'll go from there. Tom Bartley signing out.